Hello and welcome to Trish of the Day. Oh, sorry. I had a terrible night's sleep last night. One of those nights where the more you think about not sleeping, the more you can't sleep. And then you worry, oh, have I left the oven on? Did I leave a tap running? Have I forgotten to lock the back door? At one point, I thought it might just be easier to sleep in the kitchen. Then I realised I must have missed something from my pre-bed routine. And I had. I'd forgotten to diffuse some lavender oil in my bedroom. And it got me thinking about people's bedtime habits. So I went out on the street to ask the great British public in my local area about theirs. Do you have a favourite side of the bed? If it's my bed, then the left. If it's my next door neighbour's bed, then underneath. What? Well, it's a real dilemma because if I sleep on the left-hand side, I feel guilty for the right-hand side. If I sleep on the right, I feel guilty for the left. So I just sleep in a hammock now. Can you tell me, what do you wear in bed? Nothing, apart from a sock. Which foot? It's not on my foot. Okay, thanks. What do I wear in bed? Yes. In bed? Yes. Wear in bed? Well, how am I supposed to know? I'm asleep. What do I wear in bed? I don't know. How's anyone supposed to know what they wear in bed? Hello, I'm trying to find out about people's bedtime habits. Do you do anything to help you sleep? Yes, I turn all my electricity off about half an hour before I go to bed. Why? Well, it might sound over-precautious, but I worry that a spark of electricity might jump out of a socket and start a fire. And I live in the middle of the countryside, so it's very isolated. But your house must be in complete darkness. How do you see if you need to get up in the middle of the night? Oh, I've got lots of candles lit around the house throughout the night. They relax me, actually, and help me sleep. And I save money on the lighting, so <laughs> thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to follow her home. Many hundreds of years ago, when Christopher Columbus said the world was round, people laughed at him. I mean, he may have had spinach on his teeth or a bogey on his face, but we generally tend to think it was because in a world where most people thought the world was flat, he claimed it was round. And why wouldn't he? He'd literally sailed around it. But even today, not everyone believes that. Joining me now is Dennis, who I got to know at work because he regularly visits to service our photocopiers. But Dennis also believes the world is flat. Hello again, Dennis. Hi, Trish. It's, it's nice to see you're not bending over a photocopier for once. <laughs> I don't mean that in a rude office Christmas party sort of way, like you're photocopying your... Um, Although you wouldn't photocopy your front area, would you? You'd, you'd do your round the... Anyway, thanks for popping in. It's really great to be here. So you're what's known as a flat earther. So what I'd like to know is, are flat earthers just making it up for something to say because they're bored or lonely? No, not at all. We follow science. We see the results of tests and we believe the opinions of experts. Well, so do people who think we can't tell they've had lip implants. OK, if you don't believe the earth is round... Can you explain it? Well, the Earth is actually a disc. A disc? Trish, do you know what a frisbee is? Yes, of course I know what a frisbee is. When I was a girl, we used to throw one over next door's fence for Rex to catch in his mouth. Rex was the neighbour's dog? No, he was a lovely old man with a zest for life. And a lot of time on his hands. And frisbees on his kitchen roof. OK, so imagine the Earth like a frisbee. OK, what about the North and South Poles then? They're literally at the top and bottom of the world. Oh, Trish, the North Pole is an island in the middle of the disk, and the South Pole is a wall around the edge of the disk. That's what stops you falling off the Earth. But with global warming melting the ice, will we eventually just be swept through gaps in the wall and fall off the Earth? Yeah, except 
climate change is a, it's a hoax created by big businesses. What, like millets to make you buy more camping equipment? Or those disposable barbecues from home bargains? Pretty much. Silly me. But they did actually take photos of the Earth when they landed on the moon, Dennis. And it was a globe. Trish, if you don't mind me saying, I, I really think you should try and be a bit more open-minded. Excuse me, I am very open-minded. Listen, my sister Margaret had live, love, laugh stenciled on her kitchen wall. I'm so open-minded, I kept my mouth shut. It was 2014. Come on, Margaret. Well, then maybe you'd like to come to one of our conventions. We've got one coming up in a few weeks. They're very well attended and we have lots of international speakers. So people come from all corners of the globe then, Dennis, do they? Yeah. No, wait, what? I think we'll leave it there, Dennis. And thanks for the invite to the convention. I'll definitely think about it. I won't have to bring my own tinfoil helmet, will I? <laughs> no, not at all. It's included in the ticket price. And a welcome cocktail. I'm joined once again today by my friend and sometimes colleague, Sue, who I presume has told the office she's on a toilet break again, whereas I've booked time off to do this. And Sue is here to talk about one of her little hobbies. I do wonder sometimes how she manages to fit all her interests in around work, but I think it's probably the opposite, isn't it? Anyway, Sue is here to talk about reading people's auras. Aren't you, Sue? Hello. Yes, Trish, I am. Hello to you. Before we start, I just want to say, I haven't sneaked out of work today. I actually booked the day off because this morning I was at my graduation. So, not just a hobby now. I'm a qualified aura reader. Oh, congratulations, Sue. So, before we get into what it involves, um, where did you graduate from? Was that a university course or...? No, no, it was a small private academy of aura reading set up by a lovely lady called Thora. And she was so, always... Hang on. You've graduated from Thora's Auras. Yeah, but it's not called... You should do flowers as well. What do you mean? Well, Thora's Auras Floras. Ha, 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 ha. Can we just get on with... Ooh, ooh, ooh. And if they had a choir, they could be Thora's Auras Floras Chorus. Can you stop thinking of rhymes for aura now, please, and take it seriously? Yeah, sorry, Sue. So tell me more about auras. Well, basically, we all have an aura, which is like a glow of colour that surrounds the body. Like Redibrek. It's nothing like Redibrek. Well, actually, no, that... That's quite a good way of looking at it now you mention it. So, does everybody have an aura? Yes, and they all have a colour, depending on a person's character, and the colour can change depending on your mood. Like red, white, rosé? No. So you can actually see people's auras? Do you need special glasses, like 3D specs, or that thing for looking at the eclipse? Don't be daft. Oh, that's what's daft. Once you've trained your mind and your mind's eye to see everything around it in a state of total awareness, you just do it, really. It sounds so technical, Sue. So, come on, then. What colour's my aura? Well, generally, I've noticed yours is a mix of grey and brown. So, what, like sepia? Yeah, kind of, yeah. So, grey is the colour of emptiness, sadness and gloom. Is it? Yeah, of course. Why do you think the Victorians always look so miserable? High mortality rates? That was part of it, yeah. So what other colours of aura are there? Well, there's literally a whole spectrum. You've got green, which is envy, but also freshness. There's orange, which is courage and success. There's cyan, which Sorry, is... what's cyan? It's light blue, but we call it cyan. That's healing and sophistication. And pretentiousness. So, can you work your way up through the colours? No, they're not like karate belts. As I said, it's mostly based on personality and mood. What colour's your aura, Sue? It's mostly yellow. And what's that? Lazy? 
it's uh, optimistic, friendly and outgoing. Oh, um, and uh, can, can, can you smell an aura, Sue? No, I'm watching... Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's me. I've been having raw cauliflower for breakfast on this diet. Oh, excuse me, I just need to, uh, you know... Yes, off you go, Sue. Oh, definitely brown aura around the pants area, Sue. Oh, oh. We'll be back after this quick commercial break. Knock, knock. Hello, Lisa. Oh, hiya, Wendy. Come in. Sorry I couldn't come to the door. Got my foot in a bucket. So I see. Oh, Lisa, your teeth look amazing. Do you really like them? Yeah. Have you had them tattooed? Yeah, I went to Teeth Tats. Teeth Tats? Yeah, Teeth Tats. They tattoo your teeth. You can choose any design you want and they can do it. Look, I've got a rose. I've got my daughter Shannon's face and a swastika. Oh, they look mint, Lisa. Was it that expensive? No, they worked out a payment plan for me, so it's only a pound a week for 500 weeks. Oh, that's a bargain. I think it's just what I've been looking for to cheer me up, you know, since the divorce. And I was getting a bit fed up with my boring old white teeth anyway. I think I'll get myself down to teeth tats. Well, if you do, tell him I referred you, and I'll get a £50 teeth tats voucher. I will. I could put it towards getting my bottom set of teeth done, if I had any. <laughs> <laughs> you won't regret it, Wendy. I got so much attention last night at my birthday party. Oh, great. Why wasn't I invited? Teeth Tats. Making your teeth tattier. Terms and conditions apply. Teeth Tats are not responsible for any cracking, breaking or falling out of teeth that are damaged to pre-procedure. Payment plan available on approval. You may risk losing your home or your teeth if you do not keep up repayments. Now, the Beatles famously sang about being really old in their song, When I'm 64. Which actually isn't that old, but it, it was in the 60s. Anyway, I'm really thrilled, excited and extremely privileged to be joined today. Sorry, I just replayed that in my head. It makes it sound like one of the Beatles is joining me. They're not. No Beatles. Sorry. Um, What was I doing? Oh, yeah, my guest. So I'm really happy to be joined today by a lovely man called Wilf, who has just celebrated his 102nd birthday. So please welcome the lovely Wilf. Hello, Wilf. Thank you so much for joining me today. <sighs> Hello, Trish. Oh. Not keeping you up, am I, Wilf? Well, I am a bit tired, as it happens. I had to catch two buses to get here from my sheltered accommodation, you see. I thought you might have organised a driver for me. Yes, well, I'm sorry there was no driver, Wilf, but this isn't the Pride of Britain Awards. Well, you could have come and collected me. My car's in the garage. Well, we could have done this in my little flat. Well, I wasn't going to lug all my equipment on the bus, Wilf. There's all sorts of nutters. Anything could have happened. Anyway, you're here now, and it's lovely to see you. Now, Wilf used to live just three doors down from me, didn't you, Wilf? Yes. And how long did you live there, Wilf? About 60 years altogether. Yes, and the crazy thing is, I didn't even know anybody lived there. I always used to just call it the empty house with the dirty nets. And then one day we spoke, didn't we? Um, Remember? You tell the story, Wilf. Well, it was the year when we had all those terrible snowstorms, like blizzards they were. And I saw you in your front garden, putting some bottles in your recycling bin. Clink, clink, clink. All right. Clink, 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 clink. All right. Clink, clink, clink. All right, there were bottles of olive oil. I've got a very Mediterranean diet. Anyway, we didn't know how long those blizzards would last. And I shouted up to you that I was desperate for you to go to the shop and get a few essential food items. And I said you were so sweet and considerate to think about me, but I'd already been to the shops that morning. And then I went inside because it was freezing. So, Wilf, 102. 
In your lifetime, you've known 20 Prime Ministers. I didn't know them. It's a figure of speech, Wilf. But you must have seen some changes in your long, long lifetime. No, everything's pretty much the same. Really? Of course not. I'm hundred and bloody two. All right, Saki. So you were born in South Wales. What was life like? Times were hard, Trish. People never had much. It was a, it was a tough life. I remember once my dad walked from Cardiff to Bristol looking for work. How come? No idea. He was a bus driver in Swansea. And you got married quite young, didn't you? Yes. I was 22 when I got married to my Florence. We had 30 years together, but then I lost her. Oh, she died? No, she left me. She ran off with my sister. Oh, Wilf, you must have been devastated. Not really. She was a horrible person. And my sister was horrible too, so fair play to him. I'm not exactly blameless myself. Over the years, it's not as if I never dipped my soldier in other eggs, if you know what I mean. Yes, I think I'll crack that code. Thank you, Alan Turing. So, any romance in your life at the moment, Wilf? Oh, I do all right. There's a lot of eligible women in the other flats in the complex. But the people that own the complex have banned me from having them stay overnight. That's awful. Well, it's understandable. They keep mistaking my personal safety alarm cord for the bathroom light. And then you have the emergency services turning up for false alarms in the middle of the night. And unfortunately for me, it was three strikes and you're out. That's a shame. No, not really. We're just doing it in the daytime now. Not short of company, then? No. And I've got my little cat, Fluffy. The women in the flats near me, they all feed it. That's nice. Yeah, it is, depending on what I can sneak out of their cupboards when they're not looking. They're faster than they look, some of them. Well, honestly, it's been lovely to catch up with you, Wilf. You look amazing and so active. You truly are an inspiration, if not a borderline geriatric sex addict. Well, you know, Trish, it's been lovely to catch up with you as well. If you like, we could carry this on another time. Maybe at my place. I'll let you have a go in my hot tub. You've got a hot tub in your warden-controlled bungalow? Oh, yeah. Well, it's a walk-in bath, but still sexy. I'll let you know. There you go. Thanks a lot for joining me. Um, Just a little announcement before I say goodbye. Following my chat with Wilf, he was so excited and looking forward to be moving into a new flat in a different complex. But unfortunately... After being in the flat for only two weeks, Wilf, sadly, was banned from having overnight guests again. Randy Goat. Goodbye. Trish of the Day was written, performed and produced by Craig Dealey. It is a Literally the Joke production. Listener.